Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I'm certainly in the season of new beginnings, and I think All Souls is in one too. And I suspect that many of us are feeling the weight of transitions and moves and new starts. Uh, as a parish, we have a new beginning with a new rector. That's me. <laughs> I've kind of been around a bit before, but this is certainly a, a, marks a, a new phase in the life of this parish. And as a diocese, we've begun a new beginning with a new bishop, just consecrated last Saturday. Um, many of us have felt some of the upheaval that a transition of this nature inflicts upon a diocese and its parishes. Um, but there are more as well. Our, our blessing the backpacks uh, later on today reminds us that many of our kids are on the cusp of a new school year that's starting off this week or in the coming weeks for schools around the area. Uh, my own oldest son is one of those who has a new beginning as he starts high school this week. Many students and teachers and faculty and administrators see uh, the middle of August or late August as a more important new year than January 1st. And some of you might even be in the midst of a new beginning having moved across the country or just started attending this parish or starting new jobs as summer is one of those transition seasons when many of these things uh, uh, shift around. And as I said, I'm personally in the midst of a new beginning as I step into this new role at All Souls. This is a new configuration of life for my family and I. It's a, a new balancing of my expression of my calling and it's a new beginning to how I envision my role in a local parish. New beginnings seem to be facing us around every corner. And I think it's a pretty common sentiment that when one is about to embark on a new beginning, it gets a little easier if you know you aren't doing it alone. Having a buddy, a friend, a companion to walk with you on a new path is a, is a source of great comfort and, and assurance. I think those of you with school-age kids know this well. I've been watching my wife orchestrate all kinds of playdates and gatherings with kids in my kids' uh, classrooms to, to welcome the new kids, those who are embarking on a new beginning in a new school. I can recall very clearly my first day of classes in seminary a number of years ago at this point, having just moved across the country from California to New England, and my wife and I were living in the apartments there at, at, at Gordon-Conwell. And, and the first day of classes, a... Uh, uh, a guy from down the hall who I didn't know very well came over in the morning, knocked on my door, and asked if I wanted to walk up to classes together. It was so endearing. It was so sweet. And I said, yes, of course. And so we walked off to our first day of classes, two grown men, off on our first day of classes. And it touched me deeply. And you know, we're still friends to this day. When we face all manner of new beginnings in the journey of our lives, it's great comfort to know that we're not alone when we face them. Our reading from Jeremiah this morning reminds us that we're not alone as it teaches about God's presence with us. In Jeremiah 23, 23, God asks this rhetorical question. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? And the answer to the rhetorical question is yes, you are a God who is near and not a God who is far off. You are a God who is here and everywhere. Your presence is everywhere. Let me be clear here. The context of Jeremiah 23 is not about new beginnings. No, actually, Jeremiah 23, God's actually condemning his people for following false prophets, for worshiping other gods, and for forgetting about his presence with them. So really, this question can be framed more like, what, you think I'm not here? You think I don't see how you've abandoned me? I fill heaven and earth. I'm everywhere. 
But I think, like Luther said about preaching, a, a truth about God should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So I think it's legitimate to extrapolate a truth from this passage about God's presence, simply that God is present everywhere. God's people in this context had gotten comfortable living as though God were absent from them. So they needed a little dose of the truth, a little theology reminding them of the doctrine of omnipresence. <laughs> but in order, in, in order to, to, to shake them out of this like comfortable complacency. But if you're not there, if you're more on the afflicted side, then I think this passage can remind us that God's presence can be a source of great comfort. You aren't alone in your affliction. You don't have to face a new beginning as an isolated individual. The ever-present comfort of God is with you. When we face new beginnings, it's of great comfort to know that we're not alone as we face them. And we're not alone, for God is with us. And Hebrews 12 this morning picks up this motif of God's presence with us while we're on the journey of our lives, the journey of our faith. The author exhorts his audience by saying, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. But we don't run this race alone. The author of the letter reminds us that we run this race with Jesus by our side. So let's see how the author kind of reinforces this point about Jesus being with us throughout our lives, the beginning, the middle, and even the end. I heard a New Testament professor once say that when you're preaching, your study of Greek uh, should be like your underwear. You should have it on, but it shouldn't be showing. So I think that's right. So I'm a little reluctant to do what I'm about to do, which is to draw your attention to a tricky word to translate that various versions of the Bible render differently. So in Hebrews 12, we read uh, this morning from the New Revised Standard Version, said, let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Your pew Bibles, the English Standard Version, has looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When I memorized this verse as a kid in the New American Standard Version, Jesus was called the author and perfecter of our faith. And of course, each of these English translations is evoking different images in our minds. Uh, Jesus as author, like I'm seeing Jesus with a quill and parchment, like writing out my faith. Jesus as founder, I'm seeing him cutting a ribbon on a new building that is my faith. Jesus pioneer, I, I see Jesus has a, coonskin, has a coonskin hat on and binoculars and he's leading me through a forest. Well, so what's up with this word? What is Jesus in relation to this faith race that we're running with perseverance? Well, the root of the word underlying author, founder, pioneer is a word in other contexts that gets translated simply as beginning or first principle, source, start. So you can see how these English words are trying to get at this concept. An author is the source of a story, a founder is the principal force in, in building a structure, a pioneer starts off into unexplored lands. But Jesus as the beginning, I think, is closely tied to Jesus being the perfecter of the faith journey. You philosophers will remember this word underlying perfecter. It's telos, for goal or for end. Jesus is the founder and the perfecter are simply the beginning and the end, the start and the finish. Think about when God's referred to as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. It doesn't mean he's only the Alpha and the Omega, but that he's everything in between as well. When you go to a store that says they have everything from A to Z, they don't mean just A items and Z items. They mean every A, Z, and every letter in between. 
So when Jesus here is called the beginning and the end of our faith race, our faith journey, I think the author is telling us that we're to look to Jesus who is with us every step of the way along the whole path, the beginning, the end, and everything in between. And this is what helps us to run this race with perseverance, the knowledge that we don't run alone. Looking to Jesus as we run the race doesn't mean only like a a fraught glance back at the starting line, and it doesn't mean just like a, a, a vague image off in the distance. Looking to Jesus is right there beside you at every point from the beginning to the end, including any new beginnings that we find ourselves in the midst of. I think each of us is in a process. We're all on the way. To sound cliche, life is a journey. But along the path of our lives, we come to new paths, new beginnings that we turn to face. And, and the new, the uncertain, that can be threatening. That can be, that can be scary. And even more so when we feel ourselves alone and, and isolated, having to face something, face something new by ourselves. We obviously must feel much safer when we can start something new with someone else. And I think our faith is a journey as well, one that's been founded, established, and begun in Jesus, one that ends, has its goal in Jesus as well. But Jesus isn't just the beginning and the end. He's our companion along the way, walking with us every step of the way, even and perhaps even especially in the midst of new beginnings. So I think in a sense, Jesus is the answer to the rhetorical question that God poses to Jeremiah. Am I God nearby and not a God far off? Jesus, who is God himself, is the one who is nearby, the one who's not far off. In fact, Jesus, as as God incarnate, is so nearby, so not far off, he's become one of us, a human just like us, while still God. And Jesus has even sent his spirit to be not just nearby, but even to dwell within us, speaking to us, assuring us, comforting us in the deepest recesses of our souls. We're not alone. And we can take comfort in the midst of all the new beginnings that face us in the coming days and weeks, that Jesus Christ is with us. One of my favorite colics, one of our prayers, that is often used at the conclusion of the evening prayer service. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. This, this lovely little prayer, I think, envisions our lives as a journey with Jesus coming alongside us at the beginning, the middle, and the end. I think we can and probably should pray this prayer daily. I think we can also easily slightly modify the prayer for all the new beginnings we face in any season on the horizon. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for new beginnings are at hand. Be our companion in the way. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for a new school year is at hand. Be our companion in the way. Lord Jesus, stay with us for a new job is at hand. Be our companion in the way. Lord Jesus, stay with us for new relationships are at hand. Be our companion in the way. Lord Jesus, stay with us for a new home, a a new city, a new part of the country is at hand. Be our companion in the way. Lord Jesus, stay with us for a new rector is at hand. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope.
Amen.